another edition of the 615 Sessions podcast from sunny, for now, scenic, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. Easy for me to say. I'm Buck Rising. If you're new to the A to Z Sports podcast feed, this is the Titans Media Roundtable podcast that we do each and every Friday, except for last Friday, because, of course, that was in the middle of the NFL draft. Now, by now you know that there are nine new Titans players. You know everything that's happened with A.J. Brown. You know everything that's gone down with Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis over the course of the last week. That last part, mentor gate, as I've been calling it, has been very over-discussed across the board. But with Emily Proud of WKRN News 2 and our buddy John Burton at News Channel 5, we thought it important to talk about the problems that that's going to create within our work environment and how that affects you. Sometimes it, it can be a little inside baseball, but I think that's an important element of this to share for you to understand how it is that we interact with the athletes, how that affects you on a day-to-day basis as people who consume things about your favorite football team. So we'll get into that conversation with Emily and JB right after I tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford who make this podcast possible. The Built For You program is what they offer you as as well as one of the state's largest selection of quality American-made Ford vehicles. Two Rivers Ford's Built For You program is something that I did myself. I selected a 2022 Ford Explorer XLT. I wanted it in black. I got that. I wanted a moonroof, I wanted heating, uh, heated steering wheel, and I wanted four-wheel drive, among many other customizable accessories. Two Rivers Ford built that exact car for me, and it sits about 100 feet from me as we sit here taping the podcast today. I'm in my office, very close to where my car is parked behind the house. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet, doing business for nearly 40 years since 1983 with honesty and integrity. Build your next Ford at Two Rivers Ford. Let's get to Emily and JB. Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast, News Channel 5's own John Burton and Emily Proud of WKRN News 2 are our guests today. JB was just telling us that it's coming up on 10 years for him at News Channel 5. A golf clap, JB. Honestly, just incredibly impressive to be able to last anywhere at any place for that amount of time and for people to not get sick of you. I can't imagine personally what that's like. Yeah, I mean, that that may be the case. You'd have to ask them. But, uh, no, it's a blessing to be here 10 years, and it's flown by. I can't believe it's been 10 years, and, you know, I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. So uh, we're going to keep the train rolling, and I guess I got them fooled for, for this long. I might as well keep it going. <laughs> Amen. And what were you doing 10 years ago? Uh, high school, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. I had my 10 year, I've got my 10 year high school reunion coming up, uh, this summer, actually. Wow. Sorry, JB. That was rude of us, but it's not not what I intended to do. That's not what I intended to do. You guys are going to be there someday. So, you know, (laughs) Yeah, no question about it. Well, I don't know where Ryan Tannehill will be 10 years from now, but likely not the Titans starting quarterback. What have you what have you made of Mentorgate, Emily? Have you been following this from all your travels? You were in New York last week. You're somewhere in the wilds of Florida this week. Have you been paying attention to this shitstorm that's been started here in Tennessee? 
yeah, I, I watched it uh, watched it happen live, and my my ears perked up as soon as he said it because I knew that everything he had previously said, everything he's about to say in this press conference, will not matter as long as he said the words "quote It is not my job to mentor him," um, because that's a big topic of discussion and a debate is whether or not it's the you know the starting quarterback's job to do that sort of thing. And I think the easy answer is no; it's not technically your job. Um, but there are a lot of things outside the, the scope of what's written in your contract and what your actual job is that you still have to do if you're an NFL quarterback and things like that are being present and involved in the community being, you know, you, you have to take the scrutiny, you have to take all the tough questions, which he did. And I want to give him credit for that. Uh, I think based on the response, we've officially eliminated any chance of ever hearing an honest answer from Ryan Tannehill ever again, uh, which is unfortunate from our standpoint. Um, but but that's that's what happens. I will say, though, as a media contingent, it, it feels like locally this has been more make, way more calm than nationally. Um, but that's typically how things go anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, it, it is it is a gate. It is something that's going to continue to be, be talked about um, as long as those two are in a quarterback room together. It made me so happy, JB. It made me so happy for everybody who's ever sent me a bitchy tweet about the, the why don't people talk more about the Titans on first take? Why? Don't they right. discuss the Tennessee Titans on national television? Here is your national television. I hope that everybody who's ever sent any of us a message to that effect enjoy it because the three of us and everybody else who works here locally, we know what's going on. We talk about the team. Apparently, that's not good enough for a contingent of the population. So I'm very much taking, a, I'm very much relishing all of this right now. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, apparently it's important to a lot of fans that Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith talk about the Tennessee Titans, which I could care less what either one of those guys have to say about pretty much anything, but you're right. A lot of Titans fans feel like, you know, we don't get a lot of national attention. And then the one time you do, it's because your quarterback said something that was somewhat polarizing. Look, my take on it is Tannehill's right. It's not his job to mentor Malik Willis. I wish though he'd either not said that or said, said a little bit differently or just, you know what? Fake it lie to us just say yeah yeah i'll ah. work with him sure he seems like a great kid i'll help him out with whatever he needs you know what i mean but i i'm with emily i, I admire the honesty in his press conference i mean he really opened up about what he's gone through since that cincinnati losing that cincinnati playoff game and then you have that to go through and then all of a sudden you find out that you know your team just drafted possibly your eventual replacement so i understand what a tough place he's in but like i said i I don't really have a problem with him feeling like I don't, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. I just wish he hadn't said, but he's, but at the end of the day, he's right. Well, I, I, I guess I disagree only from the standpoint of like, why is that? Why is the honesty too honest? Like if we're going to, he, he can only respond to the question that he's asked. He was at a question, asked a question about what it's like to work in the same workroom, for lack of a better term, with the guy who's ultimately probably going to take his job. And he gave the answer that I think is very, very real in any professional sports atmosphere where there's a situation like that, where there's only so many jobs to go around. Quarterback is unique because you can have multiple wide receivers on the field. You can have multiple defensive backs on the field at any other position across the board except the one, which is why... We all spend so much time talking about it, but yeah, I, I mean, everything that got lost in that press conference, getting swallowed up by the idea that he wasn't going to, or did, did not consider it a part of his job to mentor Malik Willis. 
literally the, 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 the half of the sentence afterwards where he says, if he learns things from me along the way, great. That's, that's, it's not mentorship in its full effect, but like, I feel like people don't necessarily understand what it is to be a mentor. Like that's a very, very involved process. You have to also want to be mentored by whomever individual is in a position like Ryan Tannehill is. We have no idea, but this is of course going to continue because Malik Willis, as soon as they let him see the media light of day, we're going to ask him about it again, because this is why, I mean, you know, it's the whole thing, JB. Well, Buck, here's, here's where I come out on it. It's just not a good look. And for Ryan Tannehill, you know, okay, you, you throw the three interceptions in the Bengals game. You're largely responsible in many people's eyes as to why the Titans did not win that game. Then, you know, the day of the exit interviews, you're nowhere to be found. Then the first time the team is able to get back together and work out together, you're nowhere to be found. You're the starting quarterback. You're supposed to be the leader of this team. So you're going from those three not good looks to a fourth not good look by saying, even though I agree with him, that it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. He just could have worded things a little bit differently is, is I think is the point I'm trying to make, but sure. you know, on, on the surface, right. It's because listen, Malik Willis is going to have a head coach, an offensive coordinator and a position coach. He's going to get all the mentoring he needs. And if he, if he's smart, he'll, he'll, you know, kind of be Ryan Tannehill's shadow. And I don't think Ryan will, will mind all that much if he does that, but you're, you are right. And when you say, you know, it's not, you know, he doesn't have to hold his hand and say, all right, we've got this, this, and this. You got it, Malik? Are you good? You know, because Ryan Tannehill's got his own stuff to worry about, you know, being the starting quarterback of this team and trying to redeem himself for the way last season ended, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just, for me, it's just semantics. And it's just, when you see those words in print, right? Ryan Tannehill said, quote, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis. You look at it, you're like, whoa, what's this guy's problem? But you're right. The other half of that sentence was if he, you know, learns but through if he learns with me through example, if he emulates what I do, he should be fine. But we've seen it before, right? It's you know, Brett Favre said the same thing about Aaron Rodgers, nobody betted an eye. In a roundabout way, Eli Manning kind of said that about Daniel Jones a few years ago. This is not uncommon for veteran quarterbacks when young quarterbacks come into the National Football League. Not at all. And I guess to to JB's point, M, like I mean, we've never asked him about mentoring Logan Woodside. I'm sure he would have given us the exact same answer. But, like, just a, just a general series of PR missteps this offseason, whether it's, you know, the 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 post, the, the Celsius post, right? It The picture's taken in March. It gets posted, though, from his accounts on the first day of voluntary offseason stuff where he's not there. It's just little things and accumulation that boiled over with this Malik Willis thing that I think – but I think I understand JB's larger point. Yeah, it's reminiscent of this entire offseason so far, which has been bad optics after bad optics after bad optics. And it's also, you know, kind of a prerequisite and a little preview to what we're going to see this entire season, which is scrutiny with every single throw he makes, with every decision that he makes on the football field. Exactly. I mean, this is exactly what's going to happen with uh, with Ryan Tannehill. Is Thank he's God going for me and JB because we have sports talk radio shows that we have to, right. you know, continue yeah, this. You guys are going to have plenty of content. I mean, thank goodness for that. And and I think too, you know, you know, in, in speaking with fans and seeing what they're saying about this, it, it's it's a positive from a fan standpoint too because when Ryan Tannehill lost you that game, he he solidified the concerns that you already had about him in the postseason, right? So 
from a fan standpoint, you have lost hope in the most important position on your team until next January. No matter what Ryan Tannehill does during the regular season, he could be awesome, but it won't matter until you know, you have those fears reversed and you feel good about him in the postseason. Malik Willis kind of brings you a little bit of hope that true or not, he's not coming in. If, if you know, and God forbid something horrible happens to, to Ryan Tannehill and he gets injured, then yeah, he's got to come in. Um, but I think this gives fans some more intrigue and then, you know, some more fodder for you guys to get to talk to during your, your sports <laughs> talk radio. Um, but you, you add that little glimmer of hope of looking at a future of seeing life beyond Ryan Tannehill, which is, I think what fans want too. And then the evil vindictive fans also look at it as more pressure towards Ryan Tannehill. A lot of them thought that he just got off scot-free and he left for the season and the Titans didn't trade for anybody and they didn't make a major move in the off season. This is that kind of little push and that fire behind Ryan Tannehill that I think a lot of fans wanted. Um, but when it comes to the mentorship thing, I think it just depends on what you view is mentorship whether it's somebody that's always there and helping you out or if it's just being a good teammate. And I think that's what JB was talking about is optically um, it, him outwardly saying that makes it look like he's a quote unquote bad teammate. Uh, but I think if you ask his actual teammates and a lot of them have come in defense of him and have spoken highly of him before, I, I trust that more uh, based on the guys that see him every day based on this, as opposed to this one tiny little sentence. We're we're gonna we're gonna Ryan Tannehill Emily Proud off this headline. Emily Proud calls Titans fans vindictive and evil out of this particular I, I, podcast. Such harsh words, Em. There's two different. There's the there's the fans that lost hope that now have some hope, and then there's the evil ones that just want Ryan Tannehill to <laughs> feel sort of remorse, and which I think he also did a brilliant job of. And I don't mean this in like a strategic way, but I think he did a really good job of. Mm -hmm. Uh, portraying just how heartbroken he was after that loss because JB mentioned this too the tough part was is we didn't see him the day after we we got you know there was no closure um to use a relationship term and so you felt like well does he actually feel bad about this does he know that it's all his fault again those vindictive evil kind of opinions um and so it was good to 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 have that closure from a standpoint of Guys, it took me a long time to get through this. I was in a really dark place. I had to seek help. And so you felt like you're able to kind of close the chapter of, all right, we get it. He's upset about it. He feels what we feel um, if we're in this kind of right. mob. I was going to say that because that's, you know, because that's what we as fans, that's what we want, right? We want these athletes to feel as bad as we do. Like when the Yankees or the Giants lose a big game, I want them to feel as horrible as I feel. And I think that's what Titans fans wanted too. So hopefully that, as you said, Emily, hopefully that provided the closure that a lot of these Titans fans needed. Well, yeah, that that's, I just, I don't understand why there's such a gulf as far as the disconnect between, okay, Titans fans. I mean, every, everybody, we were all there, right? It's, it's as tense and as, upset and as catastrophic a loss as I've been in person to witness. And it permeated everything, 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 this offseason, everything, these last couple of months, everything up until they drafted a new quarterback or AJ Brown got traded and they had something else to bitch about, right? Like it, <laughs> why though would people not assume for the same reasons that they feel so wretched about how that season ended with the person who was most responsible for how that season ended with 70,000 people staring at him while he screwed it up. Why would he not feel as bad, if not substantially worse than everybody who's complaining about this, who, you know, listen, you spend money to go to a football game. It's a lot of money to go to a playoff game. Like yeah. we all get it right. Sure. People, I'm sure there's a, a, a degree of the 
crowd that was in attendance at Nissan Stadium saved up a long time to be able to afford to go see a playoff game. Like there are legitimate reasons for those kind of frustrations that boil over in, in ways that can be more toxic on social media. Um, but the, the, the whole thing about like the bigger thing for me is he's talking about scarred, like scarred mm-hmm. and therapy is something that is, should be by now completely normalized among right. any segment of the population, whether, you know, it's alpha macho man, football player, basketball player, or whatever, like people go to therapy. It's not something that carries this kind of stigma where you're in the Sopranos and, you know, Tony Soprano is uh, threatening death upon anybody who would tell uncle junior that he's going to, that he's going to therapy. Right. Because that's not what God, I missed that show. It's a great one. <laughs> I, I, I started it. I, I watched it for the first time during the pandemic. I've watched it at least three more times. It's, it's an, yeah. an addiction, honestly, but from my standpoint, I'm going to be watching how he handles big moments now because of those, mental frailties that he has disclosed to us because it's a performance business and I appreciate his honesty in those moments, but it is going to be held as much against him. If he shows any signs of that trickling into what he does for a living. And guys, I just feel like it's collective, you know, not only Ryan Tannehill, remember J Rob at the NFL combine guy was holding back tears because I think this team and this organization knows we blew it. This was our golden opportunity. We won 12 games. We got, you know, we survived Derrick Henry being out for, for two months. We had home field advantage. We were the number one seed. All we had to do was win two home games, and we were at least going to have uh, a shot to be four quarters away from that elusive championship. And they know, I think we know, that window is still open, but it's closing. And you look at what what's happened around the AFC this offseason, the arms race that that you and you and I have talked about a few times. Uh, they know that window is closing. And I think that everybody involved knows. Wow, we blew it. That was a golden opportunity. It was all right there for us, and we let it slip through our hands. And I think what Tannehill went through, and again thinking about you know J. Rob getting so emotional at the NFL combine when we talk to him. I think that's all encompassing and just how this organization feels and how horrible they feel about blowing that game against Cincinnati. I just like that. I want to say, I like the humanity of all of it. I mean, you mentioned John Robinson having that uh, reaction. I feel like a lot of times when you talk to both John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, they can tend to be a little stiff when it comes to the, be the, like, you know, these topics where they say, you know, we're just looking to the next game or we're, we're, we're putting that in the rear view. And so again, that closure thing, it felt good to, to kind of have that moment where you felt like, again, but you didn't need it. Right. I mean, you should assume as a normal human being that they pour <laughs> their life into this. Of course, they're going to be upset when they fall short and not just fall short, but fall short in the way that they did. And then watch the team that beat them, that stole a game from them here, go on to the Super Bowl. I mean, that it, 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 you don't have to be a genius to realize that they're going to feel some sort of pain, but it feels good to hear it out loud. And I think that's why you were left wanting more after Ryan Tannehill at the end of the season, because you did. You never got that public acknowledgement. Um, and now you know that clearly that this is something that he's been fighting with over the last few weeks. But, you know, to what you were saying too, Buck, I think with with the stigma that's hopefully going away, you know, you kind of not are bringing it back, but a reminder that this is why these guys with these platforms and the macho mans or stuff are afraid 
to speak about it because it because it can be seen as a weakness because I don't think that you're unique in thinking that you didn't create this random thought. I think a lot of fans are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is he going to be having trouble if there's you know some sort of adversity that they face this season, despite the fact that we saw a record amount of adversity that Ryan Tannehill faced this season and they still ended up with the one seed. So you got to get you got to put both of those things into consideration. If anything, I'm happy that he sought help because it sounds like it was something that he would have carried with him into this upcoming season if he didn't find a solution for it or find a way to manage it. And if anything like that, that's what therapy is. It's you can't make all the bad thoughts go away. You just have to figure out how you're going to manage them and how you're going to use it as fuel. And so I feel better about the fact that hopefully he has those tools now and he does face adversity. And now he's got that little fire uh, under him with, with Malik Willis in the room. And so I, I feel better, honestly, about his ability to manage some of those um, tough situations rather than worse, I guess, and, and knocking him for it and using it as potentially, you know, a negative. I bet he walked away from that press conference feeling like he gave every he gave everybody everything that they wanted, right? Talked yeah. about, you know, what the offseason has looked like, explained everything that needed to be explained, you know, uh, gave gave us the fodder on the quarterback thing, but it's a real and honest answer and then turned around and he's getting he's getting he's dragged, dragged. I mean, <laughs> CJ Gardner-Johnson, the the one of the I mean, he's a DB in the league, he's been on a couple of different teams, but like yeah. Kyle Pitts, like other athletes across football are reacting to this and saying i hope you lose your job for this. it's crazy it's craziness and so like and to your point we're never going to get another publicly honest moment from this guy ever again he's not done it in a decade of football ryan Tannehill, for all the for all the different things that he's been through in miami he's been through this kind of scrutiny before and been buried with this kind of scrutiny before so much so that he had to take a backup role here in Tennessee and kind of restart his career. So it's not new ground that we're treading, but like that, that I guess is my larger frustration with this. Nothing, nothing outside of the, the performance. I mean, there are things that matter outside of the performance, but the performance is what allows them to be in these places and have these platforms and all of these different things. Right. And if you don't perform, we'll find somebody that, that if you don't perform, we'll find somebody that does, but right. just, just for the sake of having, genuine conversations with these guys. And maybe that's just running it through our prism because it's impossible to have a conversation with Ryan Tannehill, right? We're never going to, yeah. even, even in a locker room setting, like that's, that's not people. I don't think people understand that there are times when we talk to the quarterback and for the most part, those are the times that you interact with the quarterback. The thing that's been missing through all of the, all of the virtual stuff and pandemic, you know, caused, you know, uh, ripple effects from pandemic, uh, related workplaces and things like that is there is no connection between us, the people that we cover, and that being used as a way to convey who these guys and, and girls are, depending on what sports you cover, to people and masked. And, you know, I mean, you're going to have – they're figuring that out, right? Draymond Green is getting ejected out of game one of the, of the Grizzlies-Golden State Warriors game to go home not to do a media availability – tape his podcast for Colin Cowherd's <laughs> podcast network and probably recoup the fines and sponsorship dollars off the podcast and saying, bleep all of you. I'm going to do right. this myself because I'm not going to let you twist this thing. It's, it's an overcorrection. And, you know, maybe I'm just talking about it that way because I fear that it's going to make me completely irrelevant in the <laughs> very, very near future. But also like it removes any kind of dialogue between all three of these parties, fans, player, media. 
Yeah, and I want to go back to uh, something uh, Emily said about the fans a little a little while ago. She's 100% right that, that they're evil you know, and vindictive. That's well, what she I said. mean, most, yeah, but most normal fans would think, yeah, <laughs> after a tough game, our- you know, what's that, Em? I said, that's what he's going to clip from our conversation is just that's me right. saying. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's, it's, <laughs> But, you know, they're, unfortunately, right, normal fans would say, oh, yeah, man, Tannehill or the team's got to feel terrible about losing that big game. But we get, we all know this. I think there are a lot of fans out there that feel like, oh, he doesn't care. He makes millions of dollars a year. He's going to go home in his beautiful luxury car to his, you know, his 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 beautiful family and his beautiful house. You know, he, you know, I'm the fan. I'm the one that's feeling this. I can't talk trash to my other fans tomorrow because my team lost. Right. I mean, that's just fans. Fan is short for fanatic. We all know that we're all sports fans. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're sitting here doing this today and doing what we do for a living. And you know, for some, there are a lot of delusional fans out there. Listen, I used to work in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I know a thing or two about delusional sports fans. Okay. I mean, that's just, that's just some of the mentality it is, but you're right. I hopefully now that the pandemic has died down a little bit, we will be able to get back in the locker room and kind of build some of these interpersonal relationships with the athletes we cover. um, So you can get a better understanding of where they're coming from. So that if a fan says, Oh, so-and-so doesn't care. You can say, no, listen, I I talked with him the other day or her the other day. He feels real bad about X, Y, or Z, or she feels real bad about X, Y, or Z. And he or she wants to, you know, redeem themselves, that kind of thing. I, I buck you're hundred percent right. That, that relationship is very important for what we do and hopefully won't go away. Well, and, and just the idea of, you know, the millionaires are happy, happy because they're millionaires like that's the, and I there's no way for me to not sound like a douchebag when I say stuff like this. But people who have those opinions, oh, I mean, in all seriousness, like people who have those opinions. Don't have the ability to earn money that is going to make them not have to think about money as a part of their everyday experience. Like I'm not I'm not finance shaming people i'm just saying like people who lean on that is oh they should be happy they should be you know whatever they no, they should have no issues in their lives because they're very very well compensated fine but like i mean you look at the nba for example and Adam, i have my own issues with how adam silver is over conceded to the players and what it is that they want probably to the detriment of that league a little bit but Adam Silver is coming out publicly and saying, yeah, a lot of our young players are miserable. Like a lot of our young players are unhappy because of the one more than any other sport. We see their faces. There's only so many of them. We know how they're carrying themselves. We know everywhere that we can find them and we can reach them basically everywhere. Because if I can send a tweet to Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant will read it and respond to it because <laughs> he does like, yep. that's not something that's ever existed before. And it's causing I think this additional, this additional strain on relationships across the board where sports like everything else turns out is going to be hugely divisive and in any, you know, we can't have any kind of middle ground. It has to be one extreme or the other. And these are larger societal problems that obviously we're going to be able to fix here on the podcast. That's right. (laughs) It's a larger, uh, you know, problem within our, world too like just in sports media I think we constantly have to figure out okay what do we bring to the table if athletes are jumping us to the story and are creating their own story and breaking their own story um is this rain very loud is this a bad thing to ask during the podcast I apologize no do you know how many many podcasts I've done in my car this is my podcast I've done the podcast in the car okay okay then we're good 
Sure, we're good. Um, no, I mean, I think that we as, as media view more information as better. And so we want to get closer to them and we want to provide more information to add context to the story. But then when you see something happen, like what has happened this week with one little snippet, of course, players are going to be terrified to give more information and there's going to be more scrutiny. And so it's all about, you know, control and, and controlling the message and that sort of thing. And so it is a, it is a larger problem and it's something that, you know, we've obviously, I'm sure we've all had conversations within our newsrooms and news organizations about what is it that we bring to the table if, you know, teams themselves too are their own media entities. There's a whole, you know, Jim Wyatt and what he does um, for the team as well. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's the constant struggle, but it's, uh, I would say more information took a hit this week in terms of um, yeah, <laughs> next wise and getting getting some more truth out of these players. Uh, and I understand it from Ryan Tannehill's standpoint. I, I would be wary too, uh, but hopefully I, this is not true. Uh, maybe it's being told to him because he's not online much and you know probably isn't paying much attention to what we do. But hopefully, I don't know, maybe Robbie's like sneaking in his ear and saying, hey, the local media seem to be way more calm about this. Than, than the uh, talking heads on network. So. That's that's Robbie Boren for the audience, the head of the Titans PR, who is responsible for babysitting all of us so that we don't have moments like this with the professional athletes. Emily Proud, WKRN News 2, John Burton, News Channel 5. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, my friends. Always a pleasure to see you. Buck, thanks for having me. Emily, I just want to say you're doing a great job doing your dual role there at Channel 2. I've uh, been oh. watching what you've been doing. You're doing a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. Oh, you're so sweet. I was going to congratulate you on uh, 10 years. So, oh, so for all the audience you. members out there, we hate each other. Local news. We're battling. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're out in the middle of the streets the fighting like the Anchorman movie, right? <laughs> I'm taking JB. I'll be honest with you. I'm taking JB. That's it. You, you can see the guns are the guns are being well displayed. On, on the YouTube edition of the podcast, if you're seeing, uh, if you're watching this on the A to Z Sports YouTube channel, nobody ever says anything nice to me. So you two can congratulate yourselves. And I'm just going to get the hell out of here. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Buck. Thanks.